Hey friends, you're listening to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. We're so glad you're here and we hope you enjoy today's episode as we highlight heroes of the faith. What's up, friends? I'm your host today, Callie Nixon, and I need to tell you a story. About 16 years ago, I got married, and my husband was going to do this little tiny parachurch ministry where he was making about 15 grand a year, and we didn't have a place to live. And I'd known our guest for a long time in a lot of different capacities, but one day she said, Callie, why don't you move into our back house? (laughs) This was the first time that I was a direct recipient of her heart for hospitality. And so this season, you know, we are talking all about heroes. And while this woman could take many different subjects and make it their very own episode, today I picked this one. And so I am joined today by my friend Lucina Thompson to talk about her heart for hospitality. If you've been around our church for any length of time, or if you're in her sphere of influence in any way, you have likely benefited from her hospitality. For decades, she's opened her home, given of her time and resources to consistently make others feel welcomed. And I know she is loving what I'm saying about her right now. So welcome, Lucina. Thanks for joining us. I love to do anything with you, Callie. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Thanks for letting me call you my hero and making you uncomfortable and coming and being here and talking about it. First, before we dive into the you're my heroine of hospitality, (laughs) tell me a little bit about your family, how you're spending your time these days and what's going on. Well, the heroine of hospitality does make me nervous. I know. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that, but I love talking about my family. So I have two adult children that are my greatest disciplers in life. My son, Jordan, 32, and he's out there for all the single ladies. (laughs) And my daughter, Audrey, 31. My son-in-law, John, 33. And then the best bonus part of all, Henry, three years old, Charlotte, one, my grandchildren. Mm. Big, big blessing. And you're married to Kyle. Oh, and who you like also. I do. I didn't mean to leave him out. And of course, I just feel like everyone knows him. They do. And of course, my husband of 40 years this year. 40 this year. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, it's a miracle. It is. All, they all are. And so y'all know Kyle Thompson is an elder um, at our church and just serves in a way that is so servant-hearted. And it's really fun. I know, Lucina, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I have always loved watching you and Kyle because um, you are, let's just say you're a strong woman. You've got, you know, some spice mm, to mm. you. <laughs> and Kyle is wired um, in a in a different way than what I grew up with. As, as a father figure. And so it has been one of the most beautiful joys of my life to watch y'all do marriage because it's a lot of how my husband Ryan and I do marriage. Mm. And it's really fun to watch a strong woman freely flying in her giftedness while also in appropriate submission to her husband and how a good husband sets a strong woman free. Mm, true. And there's no fear true. in that. So mm. anyway, that's off topic, but I do want to jump in. You're my heroine of hospitality. Mm. I know you don't love that phrase, but if you're to try to define it, what does being a champion of hospitality mean in your words? I think it really starts with your heart. And an open heart extends to an open home. It means an open home. I think it's that simple. Um, You can look at Revelation 3.20, but I loved 
When we first started the journey here at Watermark, we used a New Living Translation. There's so many commands for this, but I love Romans 12, 13. Listen to what it says. When God's children are in need, be the one to help them out. And get into the habit of inviting guests home for dinner or if they need lodging for the night. That's a command. Like, you got to do it. That hospitality is opening. It is having an open heart that leads to an open home. I love that phrase, an open heart that leads to an open home. And I think you see that just mirrored throughout Scripture, that it's an open heart that leads to an open home even when it's inconvenient. Oh, mostly (laughs) when it's inconvenient. When it's inconvenient. I think about, you know, all throughout Scripture we've got really great stories that mirror this. We've got the Good Samaritan, even when it's not convenient. We've got Mary and Martha, you know, serving Jesus, where Mar- Martha can often be like vilified just a little bit, like, mm. oh, Mary's the one sitting. And and I appreciate that lesson. But I also am like, y'all, Martha was getting some things done for the Somebody's Lord, too. Do Somebody got to <laughs> feed the men that come into the home. That's right. Um, and then the other one that I think about is just... Um, where Jesus is talking about loving your enemies in Matthew 5, just says, hey, if someone wants to sue you and take your mm-hmm. tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if someone forces you to go with them one mile, go with them too. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from mm. you. And so I've been a direct recipient of that from you for large parts of my life. And when I was young, like maybe in middle school, I took my first ever spiritual gifts test. And um, <laughs> hospitality was really high on the list. And I was probably in like seventh grade when mm, I took it. So mm. I read that and I was like, I don't even know what that means. I didn't agree with it at all. But then years later, now I kind of understand, oh, there's parts of my wiring that just desire to gather people together. And so even from a young age. And so as you look back over your life, how did this desire for opening up your home become a part of your life? How did God stir you in your heart this way. Sure. This really began in my home of origin, and I learned it from my mom and my dad. And my parents um, were not wealthy. Uh, We went to a tiny church, 200 people. But our home was the home for events, and it was tiny. And it was the home where if there was a traveling missionary, they stayed with us. Mm. Um, We had the dinner. We had the youth group. We had the go on and on. You know, if someone didn't have a place to go for Thanksgiving, they were at our table. And so that wasn't weird to me. It wasn't like just our little nucleus. I learned, oh, no, this is like call in those that have nowhere to go and open your home. And it it was modeled for me. Hmm. So would you say it was more caught, not taught, or less of like, oh, this was something in my DNA that bubbled up over and more like I saw this modeled at a high value and I wanted to kind of do the same or was it some mixture of both? I would say it's a mixture of both, but I I think so there is some catching and I think that's true when you have, you grow up in a believing home. There's the distinction. So those that don't grow up in a believing home, they can still learn it, but it's not from a heart that overflows with Jesus. And so it looks different. And for me, um, my mom would say, oh, no, 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 you do stuff totally differently than I do. We never had anybody live with us. And there's other things we do. So I've had, I've grown, that heart has grown and the Lord has grown me, but he planted the seed in my home of origin, which is what I think is so critically important for the 
mothers out there, um, this is a ministry opportunity um, that you can plant deep in the heart of your children. And you just said your mother was like, you know, we didn't have people live with us. You do have people living with you. Can you tell me the current tally count? Of how well, many humans are in your home living yeah. with you right now? Presently, we have five. Okay. Five other people outside of your nuclear family. Five unit. people that are not of our bloodline. House of God. That okay. is correct. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So for, for that, you're obviously actively pouring into them. I know you guys typically meet like once a week. Family dinner. You have family dinner. Mm-hmm. So that, is that a part of a contractual agreement or something when they're moving in? Like, hey, here's our expectation of you that you pour into this relationship. You don't just live here. We do talk about that as they, and we keep talking about that uh-huh. because sometimes we have to re-remind people. Many of them are, we use the, you know, we want to be a resource for the Institute and a, and a majority of our people are Institute related people. And because of that, they're very busy. And, um, Yes, it could be that they're so busy with that that they have not, no time to be part of the family. So we do have to remind people sometimes family has chores and family has, and those are expectations. And we communicated that all up front and we revisit it when and if we need to. Well, and I remember we got revisited one time because <laughs> you asked us to maybe do two or three things. And now we've we've got friends that live in a house next door that rent from us that I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> you know, that I remember it was something like trimming herbs or something so small. <laughs> and there's a couple times where I didn't do it. So I think I love the idea of expecting some buy-in from the people that you're pouring into, because I think that creates ownership. And so whether it's now or in the past, how have you actively cultivated this passion? Is it something that, like for me, sometimes... I have to put reminders on my calendar of, hey, reach out to ask people over for dinner. Or was it something that, how do you, how do you purposely pursue this? Yeah, I think that's a great question. You just do it. You just do it. <laughs> and, but you do have to be intentional, especially if it's not natural to you or if it's not, if you're more introverted, my, my husband, a more introverted person, this had to become part of our annual when we made a plan, a family plan in January. Yes, we would say we're going to do X once a week or once a month or whatever it was. And the more we did it, the more open he became to doing it more. And I think you just do it. You get in a habit of doing. So good. So however you need to remind yourself, it's the... It's not necessarily as much what you're doing. It's just doing it. It's choosing to do it. Yes. Yes. At the most, as you said, inconvenient times. Mm-hmm. And for me, even I will tell you, Kelly, we lay out a schedule or I'll tell people yes to something because we don't only host our own events. We allow our home because it's a tool. It's not our home. This is God's house. And we just happen to be the manager of it. And so if someone wants to use our back patio for something, well, of course you can do that. But sometimes I double, I, I like to say yes so much that like <laughs> I have double things or or it was a good time then when I said yes. And then I didn't know there were all these other things that week. And, and then I'm like, <gasps> I'm, I'm catching my breath. And so I, I do have to um, have a a governor on me, right. like you would put on a mini bike. I need right. a little governor on me to like, you need to shut her down a little bit. Totally. Um, I need that too. If there's a blank space in my calendar, I'm learning, oh, blank space. I say yes and fill it. But I'm learning now I have to still look to the left of that date and look to the right of that date and see what's going on 
holistically. I'm I'm not very good at that. Yes, and I'm married to a man who's very busy. Not busy. I don't like that word either. Who's very intentional and purposeful. And so sometimes he does things and, you know, his people, he talked to his people and I talked to my people, but the people didn't talk to the people and we got a problem <laughs> and we've crossed over. And so he is, um, you know, he always likes to say to men that his wife is his Holy Spirit. Well, he's mine mm-hmm. and he is the chick for me. And he's the one that can say, you're running too hot. We're too hot. Um, we need to pull back. And so that's that's a great because I would tend to hit the gas on most all of this, right. but he's he's a little bit slower and um, for a good reason. So how has that looked different throughout the different seasons of your life? Like has there been heavy seasons of hosting and lighter seasons, or uh, what were the different activities according to different ages of your kids? What does it look like? For sure, different. And we started a tradition that we have continued to this day. So. We married. We were married seven years without children, so married no kids. Um, we began hosting a Christmas party. We lived in an 1,800-square-foot house. I don't know. We had 15, 20 people, not a big deal. And that became something that we said, we're going to do this every year. And COVID ain't going to stop us. That's right. We had a little gathering even during COVID. So we will, in May, celebrate 40 years of marriage. We have had 40 Christmas celebrations. And we just continued. As the children were young, we did far fewer things, for sure. Our kids became part of the prepping. They, Our kids are experts at prepping, prepping food, doing tables, hauling things, carrying things. It doesn't matter. I mean, they know how to think about how to put on an event because they got pulled into the process from the time they were little, always. And so... It does look different, but don't minimize what children can do. I think that's a really powerful point because I will confess there are times we had our neighbors over for dinner the other night and Ryan kind of stopped me and goes, hey, you realize these are just neighbors. We're throwing them together. They're coming into our mess. And I'm like, I am a Southern woman and I will clean before it gets dirty. <laughs> you know, like I can, I can struggle with that, but I think it's so important not to let the normalcy of life become an obstacle and an excuse for not inviting people into your home, whether you're married or not, or have kids or not, or um, widowed, divorced, or otherwise, there's always going to be obstacles. And I love making your the idea of making your family a part of, or your roommates a part of whatever it is that you're doing. I think that's so smart. Well, one of my proudest moments was Jordan had moved to Los Angeles and his the people he lived with wanted to throw a party. And he said, they started in one of them, it was his idea. And he said, what he started putting together was pitiful. And he said, I was like, <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This is not, I'm going to show you how to do this. And he was so excited to tell me about the party he got to throw. And he, because he knew how, because he'd learned it at home. Ooh, that's good. Okay. I struggle with limits and I'm learning a lot this year that I'm a limited woman who serves a limitless God. And I frequently try to just blow past my limits. Um, But one of the ways that I acknowledge that I'm not God is by going, okay, I'm going to say no to something. And so does your scheduling of hosting or having people live with you or entertaining ever get to be too much? And I know you mentioned before Kyle kind of helping be your governor, but is is there another time where you can think of where it's like, oh, I listen to the Holy Spirit and that was 
this is how I know when to pull back? Absolutely. The answer, absolutely, yes. I I can, can and have done too much. And even, not that I did multiple things, again, when I was a young married woman, um, Martha Stewart, believe it or not, because I've been married 40 years, was brand new, her magazine and all that jazz. Mm-hmm. And I remember reading it, and it had these very complicated meal, like you needed to have gone to culinary school. Like right. I didn't even know some of the words, but I wanted to use that magazine. And I got way over my skis. I didn't know any of those things. And I tried to do way too much just for one little thing, for one little dinner for people. And I realized I can't do that. And so all along, God has been so kind to to show me. I remembered using crab for a dinner once. Everyone's, well, the people we had in from out of town sat down at the table and we all took a bite and like spit our food across the table. Like it was horrible. It was bad, but I didn't know it. So God has been kind enough to allow me to fail, fall flat on my face. This is how I learn best. Those that know me know that's true. Um, to learn that there are limits and that there are things. So goodness, I do the best roasted chicken to this day. And you know what? That is a fine meal to have. That is a meal fit for a king with some great vegetables. So don't don't believe, don't fall into the lie that it has to be something grand. And so that's my first thing. And and then just continue to ask those around you, your community, your husband, your family, you will see the wear and tear on your family. And so I think um, for sure when kids are in the home, I wouldn't ever do something more than once a week. You need family time more than you need hosting time. Right. And so I, w- I think I'd be careful, be very careful, be constant to reevaluate, 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 and then just be big enough to say, I, I was over my skis. I right. blew it. Right. I took on too much. And I've had to call people and say, we're going to need to cancel and we're going to need a redo of this time uh, at and, another time. And would it be fair to say too, being okay with the fact that other people operate at other people's capacity is different than your capacity. Like I would say you operate at a pretty high RPM. Your calendar doesn't have to look like her calendar and your life doesn't have to look as much as her life, but it has to be something because the scripture calls us to invite one another in and and share with each other and share life and hurts and hopes. and. Yeah. Again, if you use the New Living Translation, get into the habit, it says. So what is a What's a habit for you? And that may start at once a month. And as I said, that was our goal when we first started doing this. Let's host something once a month. And then you can go from there. But I don't think if you're not doing it at least once a month, I don't I don't think you're creating a habit. And it depends on what it is. It could be even quarterly. So find your rhythm, but make it a habit. That means you do it. And you do it again, and you do it again, and it becomes something that is just a part of the fabric of your life. I love that. So for somebody who is sitting here thinking, and you kind of addressed this when you talked about your parents, but like, hey, I don't have enough time or enough resources to really be hospitable. What would you say to them to encourage their heart? And then also, what would be some practical ways that you could encourage them even if money's an issue or time is an issue, to just take that first step? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the best example of this is my sister. And my sister and her husband, 
he was disabled in, in a work accident and really lived on disability until his death. And they always hosted mm-hmm. on very little. It's not about money. It really isn't. And so don't ever make it about that. What you have can be shared. And it's it's a little bit like the loaves and the fishes. And, you know, pray to the Lord of the harvest. And um, chicken, again, roasted <laughs> chicken. I'm going to just keep going back to chicken. Go back to the chicken. But that chicken, two roasted chickens, it doesn't really cost that much. And it goes really far. Eight bucks at Walmart. And so, yeah. yeah, you get it and you and you make it glorious. And for just a minute while I'm on that subject, anybody that knows me well, the other, I, I do think part of hosting is you're investing in the heart of someone else. Hospitality is in your home is where it happens and it gives you a chance. So treat people like a king and a queen when they walk through that door. There ain't no paper in my house and people that host stuff at my house know that. And I'll tell you why. When we buried my grandmother, we went into her house and as we were going through her things, I found all kinds of dishes that were beautiful, like like Great Depression Carnival wow. dishes, these greens and pinks. And I'm like, Mom, wow, I didn't know Mama had this stuff. And my mom said, yeah. And I said, well, what? What was she, what was she, how come I never saw this? And she said, well, she was saving it. I'm like, for who? And she said, for somebody special. I'm like, wow, were we not special? And my grandmother lived in the country in the middle of nowhere. So our, our family came in and she never used her best stuff. She saved it. So guess what? We use my mama's best stuff now. Get your stuff out and treat people like they've really come to something special. It's special to be in your home is special. Even if it's spaghetti and meatballs on that gorgeous plate. Yeah, they should be on a plate, not a a paper plate that'll fold on you. That's terrible. I've heard that so many times with either, you know, friends or family that go and find this beautiful, you know, sets of dishware or because you can't put it in the um, dishwasher or something. It makes it like, oh, I don't want to use it because we have to hand wash it. It's like... If it comes to that, throw the nice plates in the dishwasher. If that will make you use them, maybe they degrade a little quicker, but you're using them and you're being a part of something that makes someone else feel like, oh, you thought of me. That's what we do try to do so much at the collective is like when someone walks in on a night of our event, we want them to think not, whoa, cool, big room, but like, oh, I was thought of specifically before I got here. And I think that's what a dish or a set table and it's, we can't minimize the effect that that can have on someone when they walk into your home. Yes. And even my family eats on dishes, glass. I mean, you know, regular pottery dishes every night. Why wouldn't I do the same when people come to my home to be hosted? And I do put my bone china with the little gold edge in the dishwasher. And you're right. If that gold comes off, so be it. It That's comes good. off and we keep going. She has removed your excuses, people. That's right. Just use that stuff. Use it up. Okay, one more question with our time here. If you, we serve women, we say ages 16 to 96. And what would you tell them just as a woman who's walked faithfully with the Lord for a long time, whether it be for hospitality or otherwise? Hey, this is something I would really want to leave to encourage you with as you're striving either in your early 20s or 30s or even 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s of don't give up. Well, I think it really starts with Jesus, you and Jesus, and you, I think, I can't tell you what that is for you, but I think you've got to keep 
in your quiet prayer closet, you've got to ask Jesus, what, Jesus, you want me to be involved in people's lives. So what is it you want me to do? And then lead me to do that. And I'm open, again, open heart, open home. I'm open, even if I'm not comfortable, I'm open to do whatever you urge me to do. And so I think that's a constant um, communication plan between you and your Lord. Yeah. It makes me think of Isaiah, like, here I am, Lord, send me. Yes. And he's not going to keep you in the dark about what each next right step he's asking you to do. And I think what happens if you just do it once, you will be bursting over. The response, you know, of people coming into a home and being treated again like a king or a queen is overwhelming. And you will be blessed. Ladies, you're robbing yourself of a blessing if you are not opening your home and your heart to other people. Be blessed. Don't rob yourself of this great, great joy. I mean, you could not end it any better. That's such a, what a charge, ladies. I mean, I feel like that for me is just such an example and a blessing to get to kind of go, you can do this. What's your next right step? And that's something we talk about all the time here. Lucina, thank you. I know you you have so much going on and you run at a high pace. And it's always been a blessing and a gift and example to me what you are willing to devote your time to. So this means a lot to me and I'm glad you came. I loved it. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Ladies, that's all we've got time for. If you want to learn more about The Collective, you can visit our website at watermark.org slash collective. You can always follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. Be sure to share this episode with someone who might need to hear it, might need a little kick in the pants towards hospitality today. And if you have any questions, we love you. You can always get in touch with us at collective at watermark.org. And we will see you next time on the Collective Podcast. 